officially is. You are listening to Tani Talks Radio, brought to you by Sheer Enjoyment Radio, powered by Radio.co. This is the Sheer, or the lecture, where we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. This week we're talking about Chesed, one of my all-time favorite topics, the difficulty involved inherent is that it doesn't often come at the most convenient times. And my wife reminds me of this often, that we need to do it in our lifetime, especially when it's not convenient, especially when the kids are screaming, especially when everything's boiling over and things are burning over. But you got to go drop it off. you got to go do this. you got to do that. The message of chesed is that we have to do it when we can. A little bit of chesed. Do a little bit of chesed. You get the message. Do what you can in your life. You should look back at the day. The point being, we're going to talk about over the next... 45 minutes or so, God willing, you got to look back at your day and say, what did I do today to help someone else? It could be something simple, it could be something small, just a little bit, just a little bit. What you could do in your life to help out that person, if you're a teacher, one student who had difficulty with their notes and you helped them, you gave them a pen, you gave them a paper, one person that wants to set something up, you spoke to them, you gave them 30 minutes of your day, what can you do to help out that person to help out people around you. That's what we need to think about. Growing up, I always felt a certain special affinity towards trying to give and help others. I didn't know what it was called at the time. Later on, much later on, especially in yeshiva, learning two years in Beit Shemesh and Rashid, I realized that the powerful drive and the surge towards doing that is what we call chesed. Everyone has their calling. Everyone has what they could do, what they contribute, what they are good at. Hashem gives special talents, special innate abilities to every single person. I like to say often on all the shirim, on all the shows, that you are the only you that there will ever be. There was never exactly anyone like you in the past. There's never and there is not anyone exactly like you right now, even if you have an identical twin, and there will never be another person like you in the future. You are the only you ever to exist. So you, of course, have a unique mission. You have a unique purpose. You have a unique calling that has to be fulfilled, that has to be completed. Anything you could do to contribute that you could do, that you could give, must be done. you got to find your calling, your passions, your abilities, and pursue it. Whatever your strengths and talents are, we talk about this on all the shows all the time, you have to find them. You have to use them, and you have to do great things with them. It would almost be a chaval, a waste, almost, of all the years if you miss the calling, you miss the ability. Besides, of course, for being the spouse, we should all be zocha, that everyone should find their spouse. Besides of course, being the parent, we should all be zoch. Everyone should only know from good things and be able to have children and raise children and know from good things. Besides for those things, those innate things, what is your purpose outside of those two major roles? What can you contribute to the world? What occupation should you pursue is a very big deal. We talked about this on other shiurim, on other lectures and other talks. But basically, you find what you love to do and pursue that. Even if you would do it without being paid, even if you would do it, if it doesn't really bring in a lot of dough, if you had a half a day to yourself, you didn't have to do anything in the world, what would you do? And if you could do what you love and not worry about the bills and not worry about being paid for it, what would you do? I have very easy answer to those questions. My wife can answer that question. Many people could answer the question. Unfortunately, if you can't answer that question, we have to sit down and think about how to answer that question. Because if you're pushing random schedules and random numbers and you're really not enjoying yourself, you're not enjoying your job, granted, everyone could have good bosses and bad bosses. Everyone could have good supervisors and bad supervisors. But the job itself, the calling itself, if you don't like what you do and you really dread 
going to work every day. You dread going through the aspects of the day, not talking about a spouse or the kids. That should always be happy and healthy for everybody. The the work itself, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. If you love what you do and do what you love, you'll be very happy being involved in the occupation. We have to find those talents, those abilities, and use it. You're supposed to love what you do. A long time ago when I was working in camp in Camp Haskin, I said, this is it. Working with kids, especially when they have difficulties, helping them with games to get them to use their fine motor. I didn't call it that at the time, but getting them to use their hands to be involved in games, involved in tasks, helping them color and cut and write. I love that kind of stuff, and I could be paid for it. That's great. That's the main occupation. And on the side, if I could, I would just record, just be on the radio, just work on the FIVO project, all these different things. Those That would be what I would want to do. Baruch Hashem, I can answer that question. But for many of us, we can't answer that question. So when we take a step back and we just start with thinking how we could give back to others, give to the world, be generous and take a step and just think in the right direction of the chesed root, oftentimes it could help us, it could guide us, it could harness our abilities and move us to the future. If you're miserable at your job, day in and day out, that's probably not what you're supposed to be doing. I'll tell you a hint. There's a great website. I-N-D-E-E-D.com, monster.com, indeed.com. There's all, I think there's also a Jewish link. I forget the name of them. I was trying to think about it the other day, but there are many different services and abilities. Upwork is another one, U-P-W-O-R-K. Many ways that you could put your resume, put yourself out there, find the field you really like, you really want. There's, of course, Luach, of course, as well, Luach.com, and Community Luach, which is a wonderful WhatsApp group that we run that could help you get yourself out there, connecting you to communities in New York and New Jersey and Florida, Maryland and Illinois and Chicago and Israel. And these are all ways that you could find yourselves to be able to do what you can in your life. If you're miserable at what you're doing, that's not, in my humble opinion, not what you're supposed to be doing. If you love trains, you should probably do something in that realm. I remember talking to someone from our town a couple of years ago, and he told me, I love I love trains. I love the aspect of it. I love the concept. I love riding the train. I love going on the train. And I'm like, what do you do? Oh, I work for Wells Fargo. <laughs> so he loves trades and he has this connection, this calling to it, but he's sitting in a bank in a desk behind a computer, miserable the whole day. I kind of want to walk up to him at Kid Pickup and tell him, I think you're in the wrong profession, sir. I think you should really be working with LIRR or Metro or, or, uh, Amtrak, whatever. But I feel like you're in the wrong profession, but not for me to say. But if he listens, you know who I'm talking to if you're listening. If you feel an affinity f- towards plays and writing, you probably should pursue that. A lot of times over the past couple of years, especially in the pandemic, my wife and I and others had this major existential crisis. You know, what should we be doing? Where should we be going? And we use all these different feelers, all these different abilities to put the word out there to try to feel where we could go using Indeed in all these places. And I myself also tried it. And lo and behold, side projects I have been using, you know, being involved in Jewish podcasts and being involved in Community Luach, being involved in the Fine Five, which hopefully one day takes off, being involved in my own podcast. These are all very fulfilling for me. And if it ever took off majorly one day, then I would probably join that runaway plane. But to have the ability to have the stability, I need that for the foreseeable future. But if someone has that, what they could connect to what they want, if you're really a writer, you're really a speaker, and you're not tuning into that, we're missing the point, I believe. When I was in Israel, 
for those two years, those two wonderful, wonderful years, I loved being able to do two things every week. Besides for learning, which was awesome, and working on our spirituality and working on becoming our better selves, two times in the week where there were two wonderful, wonderful aspects, I don't know a better word, really aspects to be involved in. One of them was Tuesdays. So some people would joke and say in our, in our yeshiva they have no Torah Tuesdays. I never like to call it that. I used to say we call it Chesed Tuesdays. Some people would actually take the day and, and you know, go to Haifa or go to Netanya and enjoy the beach, enjoy the water. And I felt like that was a little bit of a waste of the day. You know, the school took us, the yeshiva took us on beautiful trips. They took us to Eilat. They took us to Harshlomo. They took us up to Tiberia. They took us to Tzfa. They did all that. They took us to the old building in, in Yerushalayim. So I didn't need to do that. But Tuesdays, when you have that time, they let us out at 1 and you come back for dinner I think dinner was 6, 6.30 or 7. You have those five, six hours. What are you going to do with those hours? Some people who are very, very bold, I would say, they actually use the time for extra learning. Some of us are not able to do that. We had to use the seders we had and figure out what to do with the other time. So in the first year, very much in the beginning, they they paired us up with what was called the Big Brother Program. A couple of us signed up. Originally, one of my best friends actually was given a uh, a seven year old, and I was actually given a twelve year old. And it's very funny looking back. I don't think I ever told my wife this, but it was very funny looking back that they gave me a middle schooler. And even back then, I said, "This is not for me. I cannot work with this age." I begged my friend to switch with me, and he took the twelve year old, and it eventually it fizzled down. He only went a couple of times, and I actually stayed with the five-year-old at the time, and when I finished in my second year, he turned seven. So every Tuesday I would go, I would take either a cab in the beginning, and then I took a um, an inner-city bus from Beit Shemesh to Ramat Beit Shemesh, I think it was Aleph. I remember what street it was, and I would walk to the little apartment they had, and I would try to help out this little boy. Unfortunately, the parents were divorced, they were not together. He had an older sister or two, and you could tell that Unfortunately, they did not have a lot of money. So when I would come, I would try to do what I can, I could to help him out. Oftentimes, we would either play a game in the apartment in his room or we would go to the nearby gun. We would go to the nearby park. Sometimes we would walk to the candy store. Just giving him time and I would do what I could to, to stay with him a couple of hours. In the beginning, the first year, I guess I had much more energy. I, I basically spent the whole afternoon with him. The second year, a very good family friend ended up moving there and they were acclimating. So I also spent time with their three kids at the time in their front lawn playing soccer, playing base, basketball. And I felt like very recharged and very refreshed. You know, working with those kids, that was really a highlight of the week. So I would have the morning Seder, and then I would use the break and come back. And then it would be dinner time and night Seder, and that was an epic Tuesday for me. That I felt like was a wonderful, wonderful aspect to the week. And the second thing we would try to do would be the food packing mission on Fridays. Originally, we we would try to get people every single week. I put a sign-up sheet on, like, the bulletin board. Very, very difficult to get 10 guys. I don't know why it's such a big deal for for 10 guys to give up their break, the nap break, you know, so difficult to get them to come to pack food in this uh, Yad Yosef HaMashpir in Ramat Beit Shemesh. We have to, we'd have to pull and they, it wouldn't really work because the, the Sherud driver, Sabari Sabari, would only come if we had 10 people and it was very difficult. I like to, I had to pull teeth to get the people to come. At the end, after I lost my brother, Alev Shalma, I ended up naming it Or Menachem for him for just a few weeks when we came back. But the whole idea was to use that Thursday. Thursday was actually my favorite day in Yeshiva because you felt the energy of Shabbos coming. You had the Seder. We had the, 
the 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 food packing. We came back. We had the afternoon seder, and then everybody geared up for the nighttime muster shmuz from the rav. And yeah, you always felt like a tiny piece of dirt, a terrible person after his seder. But then the people would come with like some snacks and some drinks. I always would get some, and then you could learn a little bit, and you would see the main train from one of the wonderful classes. My, if my friends are listening, they know exactly which rabbi this was on Thursday nights. And then the Friday would be the day getting ready for Shabbos, and oftentimes I'll go away, especially in Shabbat. I took a friend with me most times, a couple of times anywhere in Israel, going different parts in Israel, especially like Petach Tikva was a great Shabbos, and oftentimes the yeshiva itself would have us for an in Shabbos or take us around. So these are things even many years ago, I'm 35 now, so this is already going by 17 years ago, 16 years ago, where I already felt like it was generating something, and the ability to give to others, it's really a beautiful thing, and it's hard it's difficult to do so, but when you do a little chesed, you get the message, you get the feeling, you get the ability to see how things come back. They say more than the rich person does for the poor person. If you have a rich guy and he gives tzedakah to the poor guy, more than the rich guy does for the poor guy, the poor guy does for the rich guy. Because Hashem puts people in this world, he gives one person a lot of money. He gives one person not a lot of money. So it's easy to see what the benefit is from the poor guy, from the rich guy. He's getting the money. He's getting the means. He's getting the ability to be helped. But what does the poor guy give to the rich guy is often the question we could think of. And the answer is it's the message. It's the feeling. It's the ability to see that somebody was helped and somebody was brought to their on their on their feet, brought on their ability to stand on their own a little bit. They say there's a famous saying, you teach a person... You give someone a fish he could eat for the day, but if you teach someone how to catch fish, you teach him how to be a fisherman, he can eat for life. The highest form of chesed, the Ramam talks about there are eight levels of chesed. Do you know the highest form of chesed is giving someone the ability to be standing on their own, either giving them a loan and if not, giving them a job because you're giving them the ability to be self-sufficient, the self-confidence to provide for themselves, for their spouses, for their kids, for their families. You're giving them the utmost ability and you're doing it in a way that doesn't even show them that it's tzedakah, doesn't even show them it's a chesed. You're giving them that job. The second highest level, obviously, is when you give anonymously each way. The person doesn't know who's giving and the and the receiver doesn't know who's being given from. You don't know who you're giving to and, and you don't know who you're receiving from. But in general, we just t- hone into the ideas to find out what we could do to be involved in on a weekly basis, especially back then, and on a daily basis, what we could do a little bit. Of course, many years later, I realized I love radio and audio, so I like to do my different share, my different podcasts, the Parsha, the Perkeavos, the Daf, the OT, and the, the live show, which became now the radio show, because... I love the idea of being able to share audio and people oftentimes say, why not do YouTube? Why not do video? I do not like video. I only like audio because it is like radio. I grew up loving listening to radio, wanting to be on the radio. And for me, the voice, not the show, the voice, the idea, the ability of using your voice is epic. And that would be what I would do as my side thing if I could, if it ever really picked up. And that's the idea of thinking about what chesed is. Chesed is a powerful tool to make the world a better place with helping others. You need to take your passion and your innate abilities to hopefully make the world a better place. The idea is to do a little chesed. Get the message that this is a pillar of the world, how we can help each other to make the world a better and more giving place. 
One of the best farm that I think I've ever read over the years is one written by the Chavetz Chaim, which is not as well known as his other farm. You know, everybody knows about Shmir Salashon that he wrote. Everybody knows about the Sefer Chavetz Chaim. Everybody knows about his working on Lashon Hara. But there's another Sefer that's a little less known than the other ones. He wrote a, a, a beautiful less-than-a-day Sefer called Loving Kindness, Ahavas Chesed. This is a beautiful, beautiful book. When we think about a beautiful safer, we think about if we want to do for others, how do we learn to do for others, but not only do for others, but loving to do for others? What can I do to help others? How can I help others? How can I be involved in helping others? How can I be involved in trying to make the world a better place little by little? What can I contribute to make someone else's life a little easier? It could be very simple. You know, if I'm driving somewhere, my wife is driving to work anyway, and someone needs a ride to that aspect of where she's going, that is considered on many levels hachnasas orchem. You're using your car to bring someone from place to place, hosting them in your car to get them to where they need to be. Hosting for meals. I love, love, love having guests. Cooking for those who lost someone we should never know from such things, God forbid. Cooking for someone who had a happy occurrence, someone had a baby or someone getting married, whatever. Lending books to those who need. Baruch Hashem, we have the free lending library that started a couple of years ago. You could do whatever you can to help out those around you. The possibilities are endless. This beautiful book, this beautiful Sefer by the Chavis Chaim starts with a lesson a day. Highly recommended. You could get it in your local Judaica bookstores, Sefer Ahavas Chesed, available on Amazon or in your local stores. The question is, what can we do? Because in these times, it's very easy, it's very apparent to see that we're in the Ikveh de Meshicha. We see that there's a lot of upheaval, a lot of craziness, a lot of evil overtaking good, a lot of evil overtaking you know, positive things, especially during the dark, dark times of the pandemic. We need to use this time, especially as we feel like we're coming to the end. We're coming to the, you know, the commentators talk about there's an X amount of years, an X amount of time before Hashem is forced to bring Mashiach. We want Him to bring Mashiach happily, but there has to be a time where it has to come regardless. So why not use our times, use our years to be involved in what it means to do chesed and to be involved in connecting to others, even when we feel that we're not so connected. A lot of us feel that we're in the Chevle Mashiach, we're in the Ikve de Mashiach, in the heels, the ankles of the times of Mashiach. We ended up in the skulls because the Mikdash was destroyed, one of them, because of the idea of Sinas Chinam, the ingredient to rebuild the Mikdash. The way to bring back the Mikdash would be the idea of the opposite. If Sinas Chinam destroys the base of Mikdash in every generation that the base of Mikdash is not here, it's probably because of Sinas Chinam, the commentators say, the whole door in each generation it's not rebuilt. The, me, the meaning is that it was destroyed again and again. If it was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, that means that problem is still here. The solution would be the opposite, the flip side, Ahavas Chinam. Loving people for no reason. If people hate people for no reason, then it should be easy to love people for no reason. Just because they're a fellow Jew, they have a pintle yid, they are a creation of Hashem. And the way to do that, to cultivate the Avas Chinam, is to do chesed, and to be involved in chesed actions, in the works, which I believe could be the key to rebuilding the Mikdash. Especially when we think about times, especially think about the times of Sphira coming up in a, in, in a couple of months, the main aspect was that the Rabbi Akiva students didn't give the honor to one another. They didn't give the avat chinam to one another. They didn't love one another. So we think about the idea that we have to go above and beyond. And all of it also 
comes to the idea also, if Ahavas Chinam is involved, then also we need to be involved in the opposite. If the Chavis Chaim works so hard on fighting Lashon Hara, fighting Motzei Shemar, fighting Rechilas, and the base of English was destroyed because of these things, the way to rebuild it also would be the flip side. So Lashon Tov, thinking good about other people, talking good about other people, thinking only good things about other people. Motzi Shem Tov, thinking about how we can make good names for other people, how we can look to the good for other people. You have to do what you can to try to to cultivate these things, and this could bring, hopefully, Mashiach in the forefront and in our times. There's so many examples of what we could do and how we could help others. Just a little chesed. You get the message. One little chesed, one little aspect, what you could do on a daily, daily basis. And I talk about this often. There's a great organization. I don't make any money from them, but I think what they do is epic. There's the dailygiving.org. You know, all of us want to give every single day. And if you sign up your credit card or your debit card, $1 a day, they deduct. They take it for the month and they take it for the year. And every day, $1 will be sent out to a wonderful, worthy organization. That's called Sedaka Yomi. It's made sure that you give a dollar every day. Not many of us may remember to give every day, but when you sign up, they do it for you. There's an interesting show that was called What Would You Do? And they talk about different scenarios, different situations. What would people do in those situations? A person comes to a restaurant and a family brings a a child with special needs. How do you react if he has a tantrum? He's on the floor kicking, thrashing, and screaming. Even regular kids oftentimes, by the way, will act out. I know on many of our family trips, I'm mortified when our kids are running around, licking the tables, running, turning the tables upside down, making a scene. I don't know them. I'm not related, you know. But on this show, on this episode, this especially interesting case came came about, and we've talked about this before, there's a check that's lying on the floor, or $100, or however much money that's lying on the floor. What do people do? You see, some people go by, some people don't respond, they don't see it because they're involved in their phone, or they're too busy walking forward. Other people see the money, they look right, they look left, they look forward, they look behind you, they don't see the hidden camera, they pocket the money and run. And still, other people, you know, they, they look around, they look around, and, and uh, maybe they put it in a safer location. One person picks up the money, picks up the check, and goes to every person he meets until he literally goes around and around and around trying to find the people until he finds the, the hidden camera, finds the producer, and gives it back to him. Do you know who that one person was? That one person on the show was a religious Jewish person who sought to find the person to run, turn the money to, to do Hashavah Saveda, real chesed act. There's a very famous case of a Jewish person that bought a desk. I believe it was either in Connecticut or Pennsylvania. And they open the desk and they find an inheritance that was stuffed into the drawers in like dollar, dollar bills. They found $90,000, and the story was brought up on H. I think it was brought up on Chabad also, and they search high and low, and they try to find the person that sold it to them, and they give it to, the. they look for the person, and they, they look high and low, and they see that they give it to the person who gave them the desk, and the person is like crying tears of joy. They said, you know, we knew that there was an inheritance, we knew that there was a will, and we thought that there was a lot of money that was promised to us. We looked high and low, we couldn't find it anywhere, but we were told that we were owed all this money. We're so grateful. Thank you so, so much for what you did. It was a religious couple, a religious family that gave them money. What a beautiful chesed. What a beautiful thing to do. Took a lot of courage. Not everybody's able to do that. 
Not everybody would be able to do that or would do that. But in that case, in that situation, they went above and beyond just one little chassid. In that moment, they had to make a decision, they had to make a choice. And they said in the article, I read it a couple of times, they said it wasn't even a choice for us. We knew that the money wasn't ours. We knew it would have been wrong to take that money. Such nice, beautiful ethics, probably based on the fact that it's clear in the Torah many times, these kind of things. And they knew what had to be done, and they tracked on the person, they gave it to them, and they made such a beautiful Kedosh Hashem. So when you do a real chesed, a little chesed, and it's seen on the forefront, not only is it a chesed for that person, for the family, for the Jewish people, but really it's a chesed for the world because you're doing a Kedosh Hashem. You're doing a sanctifying God's name in the purpose, in the forefront. And so many sources talk about how important chesed is. You know, there's thousands of sources, but I had to tone it down so that we could try to fit it into our time frame. You know, the Pirkei Avos says right away, right away, right in the beginning, in Aleph Bet, it says, Later on, Pirkei Avos says, meaning the world really stands, really was built on three things, and it still stands on other things later on, talking about peace and and other things, but when it was made, when it was created, it really stood in the beginning on Torah, the Al-Havoda V'Al-Gemilas Chassadim. Shem the Righteous said that the world stands upon three things. Hashem made it with three legs. You have the Torah, you have the Temple Service, which nowadays is davening, and you have the practice of acts of chesed. So if you take that away, God forbid, the table, which metaphorically is holding up the world, which is holding up the earth, will by definition topple over. If you don't have that pillar, you don't have that stand, you don't have that leg of the table to hold up the world, by definition, the whole world will fall. The whole world will stumble. The whole world will fall down. And we're not asking you. I'm not asking you. I'm not telling you. Just not preaching, but just speaking out loud. I'm not saying you have to do hundreds of things. You have to found an organization that will help thousands of people. Just one little chesed, just one little act. Every day you can get the message. You can see the message. You can see the act. That It is so fundamental and crucial. Torah is beautiful and service is beautiful, but without the Gemil Chassadim, if you're just confined to the study hall all day, you're missing one of the legs. If you're just confined to davening all the day, you're missing one leg. We have three legs that hold up the world. We need to make sure we're involved in that. Even early on in the Torah, early on in Bereshis, we see Hashem already teaches us how to be involved in Chassid when Adam and Chava learn about that they're not properly you know, covered in the world, Hashem makes them the garments, Hashem gives them the clothing Himself. And Barashas Rabbah talks about when Hashem said to, He took, He took uh, into account, Kaviachov, whatever it means, He took into account the, the heavenly tribunal, whatever that means about should He make man, and they, and they went back and forth, and Hashem ultimately decided, of course, to make man. The angel of kindness says, create them, create the human. Why? Because they're going to do acts. Of loving kindness. They're going to do acts of loving kindness. So for that reason alone, it's worthy for man, for human to be created, to be brought into this existence. So when people do things that are counter chesed, that are counter having a good nature, that are just pure evil, it makes you wonder. It makes you think, like, what what makes them tick? Like, what are they supposed to be doing here? Why are they here? You think about terrible examples of Yamach Shemo this and Yamach Shemo that, these kind of horrid, horrid, evil people kind of makes you wonder, because the hallmark of a regular human per- being, especially the hallmark of a Jew, Lahavdil, Lahavdil, are three traits. If you're from Avraham Avinu, you have three traits. You're bashful, you're merciful, 
and you give to others, you're doing kindness. I believe those are the three. You're humble. And if you don't have those, you're not from Avram. So the question becomes, do we make sure to do what we can, that we prove that we are spiritually DNA descendants of Avraham? Are we bashful? Are we merciful? And are we making sure that we're doing chesed, giving to others day in and day out, just a little bit, just a little chesed every day? That's one of the prototypical traits of Avram Vayner, who is one of my favorite figures in all of Tanakh to begin with. When he comes and we see Avram, Avram, of course, is the prototype of Chesed. We see many examples literally davening for Sodom, an entire city of Rasham. And Avram says, please, please spare them if there's 50 or 40 or 30 or 20 or 10 righteous people in all their cities. We know there were five cities, so really we're saying is there even addition to have 10. And then, of course, the Malachim come to Avram and Avram says, please stop by. I want to feed you. He's he's like brutally in pain the third day after the bris milah. He stops talking with Hashem, like Hashem, hold on, can you stop and wait for me? I have guests to get, which the, the Chacham teach us that having guests and doing chesed is even greater than receiving Hashem himself. The proof is that Avram leaves Hashem to go tend to the guests. So he tends to the guests and he says to them, please let me give you a little bit. Obviously, he goes way above and beyond. He says a little bit of bread, a little bit of water. He gives them milk. He gives them tongue. He gives them cattle. Like way, way, way above. He didn't even know that they're angels who couldn't even eat anything. This is the idea of a more ma'adviyah sehar by the way, that the Chachamim learn about from Avram himself. You say a little bit, you gotta do a lot. You wanna cook for someone, I say this often, please don't show up with one tiny bottle of water for a family of four, five, six, seven, eight. Do what you can to be all-inclusive. We like to try to give a main and a side and a dessert. We like to give the cutlery. I like to give the, the silverware, the plastic silverware. I like to give the, the the napkins and I like to give a drink. I like it to be fully inclusive that they don't have to do anything but eat or heat it up if I have to bring it earlier. But don't show up with one tiny pan for a family of four, five, six, seven, eight. Doesn't make any sense. You have to go above and beyond. And more ma'advias say Harbe, do a little bit. Say a little bit, but do a lot. Don't be like Ephron, who's the opposite. When Avram's going to bury Sarah, Ephraim promises him, between me and you, I'll give you whatever you want, anything. You could bury Sarah wherever you want. Then Avram says, okay, talk to the Bnei Chais, talk to Ephron on my behalf. Ephron says, ah, what do you mean? Between me and you, 400 silver shekels to bury your wife in a cave. I want you to pay prime real estate dollars for a cave. A cave made out of rocks. 400 silver shekels, the commentators explain. Nowadays, currency is like millions of dollars. So he says a little and doesn't even do a little. He says a lot, but doesn't even do a little. We need to be the opposite. Do what you can, but go above and beyond to do what you can for other people. Rashi talks about in Bereshus how this is the idea of learning of the idea of, of Bigr Cholim. And Hashem himself also went to do Bigr Cholim to check on Avram. So we know that we need to do what Hashem does, just like Hashem gave clothing. We need to give clothing, just like Hashem did Bigr Cholim. We need to do Bigr Cholim, just like Hashem comforted the dead and buried the dead by Moshe. We need to do so as well. We need to do what we can to follow in Hashem's ways. The epitome of the correct balance really is Avram himself. He had a natural propensity, Aish points out, for chesed, but he didn't allow the natural inclinations to lead him blindly. Rather, he harnessed and negated the chesed when necessary. On many occasions throughout the Torah, he was in very many situations where he had to fight the chesed, especially when he's told to send away Yishmael and Hagar. That must have been like very antithetical to his nature. He's a very giving person, a very kind person. That's why it's considered one of his ten tests. How can a person who is so loving and so giving and so generous send away his own child and send away the second wife? That must have been very difficult for him on many levels.
Also, the idea of thinking how we could be more selfless, how we can help others, how we could do for others. That's why the whole idea of a chesed is to think of others and to give for others just a little chesed. You get the message. Do what you can every day to help out the people. And it's not just with the big things like and but little things, giving a ride to someone, sending a gift to a friend, phone call to someone who might be a little sad, giving advice for a few dollars a day. The possibilities are endless. Of course, start and help your spouse and kids first, but do what you can to help out around you as well. Rabbi Simlai taught also in Gemara Sota, the beginning of the Torah and the end of the Torah, if you think about it, is chesed, which means the whole Torah encapsulates and encompasses the idea of chesed. It starts with Hashem giving the clothing to Adam and Chava, and it ends with Hashem bearing Moshe. If the beginning and the end of something is a concept, that means the whole concept is embedded in the middle. So chesed is fundamental to the world, but also to the Torah itself. Baba Metzia also teaches us that we need to make sure that you have to take care of who you can. If you have poor in your city, you take care of your city first. If you have poor in a nearby city, after your city, you take by the nearby city, then the country, then the, the world. But you need to take care of those that are nearest to you first. Take care of your town first, and then take care of what you can. That's why I'm big on supporting local business, supporting local restaurants, local supermarkets, and chassid organizations, local food banks, especially when you can. Again, dailygiving.org is also a beautiful way to make sure you take care of people every single day. You sign up and they take care of you. You don't have to worry about anything, but you just sign up and you're good for the dollar a day. We think about also how Yirmiyahu who talks about how Hashem remembers our kindness. He takes us out of Mitzrayim, just the other parsha, and we follow him blindly into the midbar. We have no water, we have no food. We follow him like a bride follows the chasan in a marriage. We followed him into the wilderness, and Hashem calls it a kindness for us, and he remembers it many, many genera- generations later. Of course, Hashem never forgets, and he keeps it with us. Whenever we go, the idea is to think about how chesed is important at every phase of life. It's easy in your honeymoon phases of your life, and I'm not talking just honeymoon with your spouse, but your own honeymoon phase. Yeah, it's easy to give when you're in yeshiva and you have no commitments. Yeah, it's easy to give when you're first married. Yeah, it's easy to give when you first have the kid. But what about when it's later, when they're fighting, when they're screaming, when they're yelling, they're toppling things over? It's not easy to give then, but it's especially important to give then. It's not easy to give when it's inconvenient, but it's especially important, especially extra worthy to do when it's dafka not convenient. It's harder as the years progress, but remember we have to do what we can and rekindle the fire of chesed throughout our lives, throughout our days. David HaMelech himself and Malach HaMalf talks about in his last will and testament. By the way, very strange, my Haftorah itself I Parshas Vayachi and the corresponding Haftorah is in the end of David's life. It's a very strange will that he gives to Shlomo if you look at it at face value. And he talks about how you have to take to task like two of the main people that really got rid of other people when it was peacetime and you have to figure out a way to hold them culpable. But he also talks about the idea of taking care of Barzilai. Who are the Barzilai? Remember, the idea of putting them at your table, keep them with you at the table. They were one of the only people that stayed with me, that stayed true to me when I was fleeing from your half-brother, Avshalom. The idea of 
Cultivating having a karasatov also is a main, main thing. A big idea in life for me and my wife, having a karasatov, recognizing, being cognizant of people that helped you, especially, you know, in your town, especially in your job and the like, thinking about how they were able to do for you. It should be ingrained into your personality. It should be ingrained into your being. Do what you can to do chesed, to be chesed, to be a life full of chesed, living chesed. Don't be someone who happens to do a chesed. Be someone who lives chesed and does a chesed. Do what you can to be involved in the chesed. The one of the hallmark traits of one of the imahos was the idea of chesed. The test that Eliezer has for Rivka, who ends up being Rivka, is the hallmark of will she give him to drink and will she give the camels to drink. He didn't care if she comes from from this place or this place. It doesn't matter that she has the worst yichas because she has Lavan and Bilam in her family. I need to know if she is a chesed person because to build the Jewish people, we need to have the chesed as the main trait. He didn't need any trait Eliezer was looking for for Yitzchak was the the only thing that she, he was looking for from her was that she was generous, has a good eye, and just kindness. Because I don't want anything else, but I need that from my master. Because it's important not just to do chesed, but to love to do chesed and to give. You know how much water she had to carry if she was 3 or 12, whatever age the commentators say, in order to carry for all those camels. Camels drink a lot of water. She must have had to refill it like many, 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 many times. The idea is that we need to make sure to do to have an outlook, to have a viewpoint in our life, to look at these aspects, to be involved in your aspects. And even when it's not convenient, even when it's difficult, even when it's anti-ethical, however the word is, even if it's like totally contrast to your being, you still have to do it. If you see your friend's ox or you see your quote-unquote Enemy's ox falling on the way. Who do you think you have to help first? Fascinating. It comes up in Shemos and Devarim. The Torah talks about how you have to help the person that you don't like, the person that you're not friends with, because it's easy to help a friend. It's easy to help an acquaintance. Very difficult to help someone who cheated you out of business 22 years ago. It's difficult to help someone that's really not in your nature, in your grain, someone you really don't like. But the mitzvah is all the more precious when you do it for that person because you know there's no ulterior motives. Yeah, you can help your friend. He'll come buy you coffee the next week. Yeah, you can help your acquaintance. They'll help you hook you up with a better job, maybe. But the person who really you don't like, that's the person you have to help because the Torah in our life is all about working on our medios, all about working on ourselves and doing things that are not easy, doing things that are difficult and against us, returning the lost object. That's why it's very interesting. My wife pointed this out to me years ago. The Pasuk says a very interesting play on words. If your fellow does not live near you, but karov doesn't just mean living near you, it also means maybe they're not close to you, they're not your friend. Your fellow doesn't live near you, you don't know who she who or she is. Humbly, we su- we can suggest when it says, lo karov maybe it means not just physically distant, but emotionally distant. Somebody you don't have a relationship with or somebody you don't like. You're supposed to extend your hand. You're supposed to help them. Do what you can to help them. You should also do for the donkey and for the garment, do for the person anything that they lost, anything that they need. You need to help them, whether it's the donkey falling on the road, got to help them. And even not plowing the ox and donkey together, you have to do what you can to help them and nowadays I think that translates to if you see someone walking and their packages are bulging and they're falling you got to run over to help them they might not have a donkey but they might have a car might have a bike help them do what you can to help them 
even when it comes to animals and objects and items, we have to be careful not to treat them inhumanely. you got to feed your animals first. If you have animals, the Gemara talks about. And Shechita is done because it's the most humane method to get rid of the animals so that you could use them. There are different animals that have special names, like the Hasidah, to talk about how it's helpful to its friends. And it talks about how an eagle also guards the the guards the the animal underneath him or on top of them because they are the highest flying one so they make sure to take care of them so to hashem carried us throughout the years and it's interesting to think about the different aspects how we have to help these people you have to do what you can and the gemara talks we have to help the the widow and the orphan you have to help the stranger and it doesn't just mean a stranger to the jewish people i believe it means a stranger anywhere. If you're in a strange town, it's strange to you. You're in a new town. You recognize a face they haven't re- recognized before. Help them. Invite them for meals. See, see that they have lodging, that they're taken care of. Do what you can because the main crux of the entire Torah, as Yerushalmi Talmud teaches us in the Dharam, Rabbi Kiva says, This is a great principle of the Torah. The very famous Gemara and Shabbos teaches us, Hillel talks about how the convert comes to Hillel, a very, very famous story. First comes to Shammai. He says, convert me unconditionally. You teach me the whole Torah on one foot. Shammai pushes them away with a stick in his hands. Not for now. Very interesting that he has a stick ready to smack the person. Not for now. But the same Gentile goes to Hillel and he goes to him. Hillel converts him and says one thing to him. That which is hateful to you, do not do to another. That is the entire Torah. The rest is interpretation. How simple. The whole Torah is built on the idea of taking care of our fellow, taking care of a person, doing what we can to extend, to do what we want others to do for us. The golden rule, do not do unto others as you are not want done to you. Treat others as you would like to be treated. The golden rule explained by Hillel. The whole rest of the Torah's commentary, doing what we can to be involved in chesed. The Pasuk we say every day for the men who put on tefillin, one of the hallmarks we talk about starting our day is that we need to bind ourselves with chesed, being involved in loving kindness. Not just doing kindness, not just doing chesed, but loving it. Because chesed is even greater than tzedakah, because tzedakah you can only do with money. There's someone who needs money. Charity can be done with even someone who doesn't need money. Charity can be done with someone who has a lot of money, like the idea of Gibeos Chassadim, people who are involved in Mace Mitzvah, these, the, the, uh, people who are involved in burying the dead. I forget their names offhand, of course, but the beautiful organization that's involved with, uh, burying people. The Chavar Kadisha, yes, Chavar Kadisha for the men and women. What a beautiful, amazing mitzvah, not something I could ever do myself, but a beautiful, beautiful mitzvah. That's something that can be done even beyond money. So kindness can go, and it's superior to charity on many levels. And you think about the whole idea of Megillus Rus. Why do we read Rus? Because it's a whole idea of chesed kindness. Habos takes care of Rus and takes care of Naomi and takes care of them. The idea being that throughout the Tanakh, we see that the beginning and the end is with chesed. We talk about how Avos talks about time and time again, how we have to be involved in ethics, be involved in helping others do what we can to be involved in helping other people. If they need money, do it with inter- without interest. Do what we can to help those, even if it's not easy. We know the idea that we have to help if it's more involved. The Fumsar Agra, Perkavos teaches us the more exertion that's involved the more reward we get the harder it is the better it is because it doesn't always come easy to do chesed even the idea of a field a farmer leaving the field 
Shemitah also very difficult mitzvah, but the idea of leket shechachan peah also, you're supposed to leave the corners of your field. Bundles that fell behind, you leave behind. And gatherings and gleanings, you leave these behind, and that's how Ruth subsided for those days when she first met Boaz. He made sure to leave some behind. These aspects, all these mitzvahs are taught in order to make sure that we're involved in helping others, do what we can to have a chesed in our lives, do what we can to be helping others and doing good to others and helping what we can in this world life and it's a revolving wheel if you do chesed chesed will come back you should never need it but we should do what we can to help anyone in this life this idea is that we need to think about in our lives in our days chesed is a fundamental and it's something that we should be involved it's not just something that's fluffy or nice it's an inherent mitzvah obligation for all of us to do don't have a chesed for the wrong people for the wrong aspects make sure it's rooted in torah it's rooted in practice do it in practice we just learned today in Pirkei Elvis, it's better to do things not just to learn and to teach but to act and to do one of the pillars of the world is to do through chesed to make sure we're involved make sure to be selfless in attitude, make sure to put it into practice, to love chesed, not just to do chesed, even small acts, a little chesed every day, you get the message do what you can to help people, you're making dinner anyway for your kids, maybe make dinner for another family that no one's helping chesed has no shear, doesn't matter if it's big or small, and of course you have to start at home with your spouse and kids, make sure that we don't need the honor of the covet, you could do it even if it's anonymous we need to help strangers in our midst, and we need to do it even when it's hard, even when the kids are screaming, even when it's difficult. We should make ourselves into a chesed personality. Don't go a day without doing chesed, even a little one. Do what we can to have Lashon Tov, to counteract Lashon Hara. Do what we can to be Moti Shem Tov, and to be involved in Ahavas Chesed, Ahavas Chinam, loving kindness, loving people just for the fact, so we could rebuild the base of Migdash. Every chesed act makes us a better person. Don't do things just for reward. Remember, chesed can be done in many, many different ways. If we go above and beyond what's expected of us, like Avram and more Ma'at Vaseyar how much more? So would that be great? Do it even for people we don't want to help, even for the enemy. Lefum Sar Agra, the more exertions involved, the better it is. And chesed is great. It's like a shield for us. Take care of those around us, especially within our own town, and make sure to do what we can to help ourselves, the world at large, to help animals and different things. And of course, the highest level is to be involved in chesed and to do what we can for the other people. So the main crux to remember, the main thing is to remember, is to do just a little chesed. You get the message. Just do what you can every day. Do a little something kind. Your wife is wanting out to work and it's difficult for her. Put something in the car. Give her the snacks. Give her the drink. Put her shoes by the door. Make the keys accessible. It's difficult for your kids to get ready. Set up the things beforehand. A little chesed for the kids. A little chesed for the wife. A little chesed for people at work. Just do a little chesed every day. Just do what you can to help out those around you every day. It'll go a long way. Just a little chesed. You get the message. This has been Tani Talks Radio. Brought to you by Sheer Enjoyment Radio. Powered by Radio.co. This has been the Sheer where we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. Join us next time here on Tani Talks Radio. And I'm your host. Tani.